0: listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today, and as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter, at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Lord, we come to you today with thanksgiving. Lord, we are thankful for the family and friends that we are able to be able to Uh, gather around us for this week, Lord. We thank you for the food that you've provided for us, Lord, the shelter that has been over our heads, the clothes that is on our backs. Lord, we are thankful. Lord, today I ask that you would calm my flesh. Lord, that you would open my lungs so I can breathe. Lord, that you would open the ears of the ones receiving this today, Lord, that they would hear it, Lord. Lord, I pray that your word will go out and do as it says it's going to do. Lord, but above all, I hope and I pray that you would receive all the glory and the honor. And it is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Glad to see everyone here today, that you're not too full of Thanksgiving dinner and able to get up and make it into Sunday service. For those of you that do not know me, my name is Fredo Hernandez. I am a co-leader here of Club 45, that is our 4th and 5th graders. I am super honored to have another opportunity to speak to you today. Today we will be coming out of John chapter 7, verses 1 through 31. Before we get into that, though, let's look at where we've come from in chapter 6. Jesus told some hard truths in chapter 6, so hard that the Bible says that many of his disciples left him and no longer followed him. Even to the extent that Jesus turns and he challenges the twelve and he asks them, would they also leave him? To where Peter answers, Where will we go? So just as in so many of our own lives, we are in transition. We are transitioning from chapter six into chapter seven. We are transitioning from Thanksgiving into Christmas. And unfortunately, many of us are transitioning from Football into basketball. My eldest son, who both of my sons were here earlier today, they were in the first service, but being working men, they both have jobs and they have to go to work, and so that's why they're not here now. But my eldest son, a couple of weeks ago, played his last football game ever for White House. And we are now transitioning into basketball. I love basketball. It's an exciting season. I'm excited for the season, and I'm excited for the time that we are in. And to let you know a little bit about how I sermon prep, how my sermon prep goes, I'll let you in on a little bit about that. I do a lot of studying on the verses and the chapters that we're going to be going over I listened to multiple pastors, their sermons over that subject and that verses in those chapters. I discussed and I talked with a lot of like-minded people to hear what they say. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe the Lord can reveal something to me through them. But when it all comes down to writing it out, because I write out my sermon word for word, I do like most basketball players do. I put on some headphones, I put on a beat, and I get zoned out, zoned out through the world, other than what the scriptures are saying and where the Lord is telling me. So without further ado, let's dive into the word, starting in verses 1, and we'll go through 8. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposely staying away from Judea because the Jews there were waiting to take his life. But when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles were near, Jesus' brother said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea, so that your disciples may see your miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. So since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told them, the right time for me has not yet come. For you, any time is right. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify that what it does is evil. You go to the feast. I am not yet going up. To the feast, because for me, the right time has not yet come. So to know, we got to know a little bit about the feast of the tabernacles to understand what's going to be coming on with the scriptures ahead in John chapter seven. The feast of tabernacles was a very popular feast. It was said to be said one of the most popular feasts, and it was also called the feast of booths. Because during this week-long time of the feast, the Jews would live in tents, and it was to remind them of God's faithfulness while they wandered in the desert for 40 years. That God provided for them manna from heaven, and He also provided for them water. That even that they were still sinful, that God provided for them. Every day during the feast, the people would gather and the priest would take them down to the pool and they would draw water. And they would be singing and they would be saying of hymns like that of Isaiah 12 and other proverbs. And then the priest would take the water and they would go back to the altar and they would walk around it. And the priest would ceremonially pour it out. Other than the seventh day, they would walk around the altar seven times, like they did around Jericho. In the Lord's time, the feast would also be time, it would be a time of expectations, of hope that the Messiah would appear and rescue them from their Roman conquerors. Again, this is very important to know for the, for the scriptures that are com- going to be coming, what Jesus is going to be saying later on in this chapter. There would be countless thousands of Jews there. Probably the most religious rabbis would be there. So, when Jesus' brothers were encouraging him to go, they were thinking, what better way to build your crowd? Because in last chapter 6, Jesus lost many of his followers. The Bible says that many of them never followed him again. What better way to build your crowd? Then they go to the feast and perform your miracles so that your name would be great. They did not believe in him. They did not know who he was and why he was sent here. So Jesus tells them basically that they are of the world and not of the heavenly Father. He tells them twice that the right time has not come for him to go that any time for them is right because they are of the world. But Jesus is so in tune with the heavenly Father that he knows that his time is not yet to go to Judea. That actually a couple of days will need to pass before he can go. So he tells his brothers to go ahead and go to the feast. Now, I have one example, and I also have a story to tell you about God's timing. The example you will need to know a little bit more about me. I'm very self-confident about how I look in anything that I'm doing. If I'm going to go ref a basketball game, I'm going to need to look presentable. Whether I'm going to work, Even though I work in construction, I still yet like to look presentable. I get a haircut every two weeks, like clockwork. Every two weeks. I like to be clean shaven, nothing out of place. Now to let you know, I've not been able to get a haircut in about three weeks. Because my barber which she's really, I don't know how you want to say that, she's a lady, but I'm not going to say she's a stylist because that's, that's not my style. So my barber was pregnant, and she gave birth to her child, and so yet she has some time off, and I don't go to nobody else because I'm particular. So I had not been able to get a haircut in over three weeks. Also, for like 10 years now, I've, I've dearly wanted to grow a beard. But it's just not going to happen. I truly believe that it is not; it is in God's will for me not to be able to grow one. I can look at my sons and I can be like, how? They have a full, but, uh, But one of the things that I've heard to let it grow, you just got to let it go. Just quit messing with it. Just let it go and it'll it'll grow. So I have purposely not shaven the side of my face for about three to four weeks now. Yes. So for many men, any time seems right for them to grow a beard. But for me... My time has not yet come. And probably never will come. And so I am in anticipation of this service to hurry up and end so I can go home and shave. Jesus was so in tune with the Father that he knew his timing, even to the extent of when he was supposed to leave to Judea. Now, my story has to do with my family. Over 17 years ago, I was blessed to have my firstborn son, Jordan, to carry on my lineage, to carry on my last name. Not even 11 months go by, and yet I am blessed again with my second son, Braden. I was on top of the world to have two sons, and an awesome wife. I could not ask for anything more. So somewhere about four to five years go by, and my wife comes to me, and she starts to tell me of how she is longing to have another child. I was hesitant at first because I was truly enjoying the moment with my boys. But eventually I gave in, and I said, Okay, let's have another boy. No biggie. (laughs) But that's not what my wife wanted. She said she wanted to start praying for a girl. Now, I really shut down at that uh, because that was going to change the whole game. But the Lord convicted me of it, and so we started to pray. We didn't have any worries that it would be difficult or anything, because when I had my boys, I mean, it was just easy peasy, no problems. So days start to go by. They turn into weeks. Weeks turn into months, and months turn into years. And we are unable to get pregnant. We did all those wives' tales that they tell you to do, like standing on your head and spinning around and all that junk. And, of course, none of that worked. Uh, but what we did to continue to do was to pray. Even to the extent that we started to pray for her by name, as a family. And it was in God's timing that we ended up pregnant. I can still remember the day that we found out that we were pregnant and we go up to the doctor to have the sonogram and she's holding the little knob thingy and she's doing it. And she says, she says, I know what it is. Do you want to know what it is? And at that moment, your heart just kind of stops and you don't want to even breathe. And you're like, yes, I want to know. And she says, It is a girl. I can remember clearly that my wife was starting to cry, just overly crying, just out of joy, just crying, and she could not stop. And the nurse turns to her and she says, did you not want a girl? But we did. And we are blessed to have our baby girl, Lila, and it was a blessing from God and it was in His timing that we were able to have her. So some things that we want to happen will happen and others will not. It will all be in God's timing. Just as, just as Jesus didn't go up to Judea when His brothers wanted Him to, but only when the Heavenly Father wanted Him to. So let's continue. In verses 9 through 13. Having said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the feast, he also went, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the feast, the Jews were watching for him and asking, Where is that man? Among the crowds, there were widespread whispering about him. Some said he is a good man others replied no he deceives the people but no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the Jews Now this is a small part of the story that if if but it has so much impact in it that if we were just to read it and keep on going we would miss something Every time I read this part of it it reminds me of when I met Sean Bradley. Now, Sean Bradley was a professional basketball player who stood 7'5", 7'6". When he was drafted, he was drafted in a high draft class that had players like Chris Rebber, Penny Hardaway, Jamal Mashburn. You know, I, I never knew that my useless knowledge of basketball would ever come into play, but... It is today. Anyhow, Sean Brashley was drafted with the number two pick to the Philadelphia 76ers, and he was. after that he played for them for a little bit. He was traded twice, and he ended up playing for uh, the Dallas Mavericks. On one Easter weekend... Me and the family was in San Antonio, and we were having a a nice little just small weekend getaway. We went to SeaWorld and everything of this sort, and we were staying in this nice hotel in San Antonio. And it was rumored that when the visiting teams would come and play the Spurs, that they would stay in this hotel. So the next day I got up and I looked out the window, and sure enough, there are two large buses. And the first thing that came to my mind, there's a team here sure enough, it was the Dallas Mavericks. So I quickly get dressed and I scramble down to the elevator to go see if I can see anybody that's in the team. While in the elevator, there was a couple of guys in there and they were talking. And they were whispering and they were saying, do you think that we'll be able to see Sean Bradley? Or Dirk? Or Steve Nash? Or Michael Finley? Some of them were saying that Bradley was trash that he was washed up and others were saying, you know, he's nice, he's okay, he's still pretty good. No one would really any, say anything too loudly because, you know, you don't know who's listening. And when we got out of the elevator, there he stood, the living giant himself, Sean Bradley, all seven, six of him. I didn't want any pictures, I didn't want any autographs or anything like that. All I wanted to do was to shake the man's hand. And after standing in the back, what seemed like ages, I built up enough courage to go up there to shake his hand. And that was it. That was the whole experience. I went over there and I shook his hand, and of course his hand engulfed my own. And I stood there and I watched the rest of the team load up on the buses. So you may be wondering, how does this have to tie into the people Whispering about Jesus. Some of them were saying that he was a good man. Others were saying that, no, he's deceiving the people. John, the writer John, is pointing out all of the people's disbelief in him. Well, you may say, well, there were some of them that were saying, no, he's a good man. They were whispering about it. No one would actually publicly come out and say anything about him. It looked like they were ashamed of him, When that guy's in the elevator were talking trash about Sean Bradley, I wouldn't step up and say anything about him because deep down, I felt the same way, if I was being totally honest with you. I didn't think he was great as he once was. I did think that he was washed up. I was ashamed of how he played, like I had any stake in how he played. I was ashamed of him. So it is as the people that are standing around at the, t- the courts just whispering about Jesus. They were ashamed. Jesus says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. That's why I love Romans 1.16. What people do behind the scenes tells you a lot of how they really feel. Let's continue in verses 14 through 24. Not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, How did this man get such learning without having studied? Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak of my own. He who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself. But he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Hasn't Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You are demon possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you're all astonished. Yet because Moses gave you the circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcised a child. On the Sabbath, now if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing the whole man on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. Jesus waits till halfway through the feast to start teaching. And the first thing that the religious Jews do is to undermine him or to criticize him and his teaching and asking where has he studied? Because in those days when they taught, they were taught back to referring to another rabbi. Like rabbi such and such taught, says such and such about this scripture. None of them actually taught like Jesus taught, said this comes from the heavenly father with authority. They taught as men, and Jesus taught from his father. And the religious Jews were angry at him because they could not control him or what he said. Jesus plainly says that his teaching is not of his own, but of the one who sent him. Then he transitions, he turns back to the issue at hand. He's going to show them that they are masked by their spiritual supremacy. He's going to show them their faults and their need of a savior. He asks them, didn't Moses give you the law? Why don't you keep it? This would be a huge gut check because there is nothing else that the religious Jews took pride in is that that they kept the law. But Jesus told them that they didn't. And he asks them, why are you trying to kill me? To the people would answered because they weren't actually trying to grab him or anything yet, but Jesus knew, they said that you are demon-possessed. Or that you are paranoid. And then Jesus refers back to the last miracle that he did at the last feast at the Pool of Bethsaida. Where he healed a crippled man, and he tells them that they were all astonished. But then he points out their own failures, that a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath to keep the law of a child being circumcised on the eighth day after birth. And then he says, why can't a whole man be healed also on the Sabbath? He's pointing out that he is still Lord over the Sabbath day. The Jews are mad and angry at him. By this, it shows that even the religious Jews did not know him or who he was. Because if they truly understood and knew who he was, they wouldn't be rejecting him, as you could read in the earlier chapters. So he tells them quit making a judgment by mere appearances and make a right judgment. So let's continue in verses 25 through 31. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is, speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ? but we know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his time had not yet come. Come. Still, many in the crowd put their faith in him. They said, When the Christ comes, will he do more miraculous signs than this? In verse 25, the people are asking, Isn't this the man that they are trying to kill? Here he is. So there is a common knowledge that the people that they wanted to kill Jesus. It just shows that in the earlier scriptures that he wasn't actually physically trying to kill him, but Jesus knew their motives. They were asking if the authorities had made up their mind that he was the Christ without saying anything. No one would make a decision on their own. Everybody was waiting on somebody else to step up and to make a decision. But they were all hung up because they knew him. That they knew him in the basic sense that they knew his mother and his brothers. And that they knew where he grew up. And at the point where Jesus stops teaching. And he tells them that, yes, you know me on that level. But you do not truly know me or the one who sent me. That he is from God and that God sent him. And on this they tried to grab him. But again, they could not succeed because his time had not yet come. It is all in God's timing. In this passage we read today from John 1 or John 7, I hope that you have seen that everything is working along God's timing. And that also that the writer John is pointing out that many did not know Jesus. Jesus. They did not know him or why he was here. His family did not know him. The common people did not know him. And the religious Jews did not know him. Also in this passage, if you were to go back and you were to look and to count, there are a bunch of questions. Whether about Jesus or Jesus asking them himself, but all the same, there were a lot Of questions. This this time, the people of this time were waiting for a Savior to return and didn't know that He was there the whole time. That He would sacrifice Himself for them. That He would be the water that they needed to quench their thirst. That He would be the light that they needed to guide them. But they did not know it. So I leave you with a question. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you know that he died on a cross for you and was raised from the grave on the third day? Do you know him? And if so, then rejoice. Because we know of our Savior. And if not. I pray that he reveals himself to you. And that I and the pastors and the elders or anyone in this church would love to talk to you about such things. Do we know him? Let us stand and we will end with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, yet again we come to You with thanksgiving. We are thankful that yet when we were yet sinners, You sent Your Son to die on a cross for us. Lord, again we thank You for the family that is surrounded by us and the friends, Lord. Lord, we thank You for everything that You have done and will continue to do in our lives. Lord, we just pray that You keep us safe as we come and we go. But again, Lord, we thank You for your Son, Jesus. Lord, and again, we ask that your words go out and they do as they are to do. Keep us safe and keep us in your will. And it is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com.